0: Well, I thought I'd keep things light on this second Sunday of Advent and talk about two of the most central concepts in all of scripture, righteousness and justice. Simply put, a righteous person loves God and a just person loves the neighbor. These two traits then are at the heart of right relationship with God. In fact, you could probably distill much of the biblical witness using just those two terms. The Old Testament law and the prophets repeatedly call the Israelites to righteousness and to justice. And Jesus sums up the law and the prophets in terms of loving God and loving neighbor. But few people, perhaps Abraham and Moses, are up to the task. Most of us turn from God and mistreat the neighbor. The kings, for instance, worship idols and oppress the poor. And so the prophets are sent by God to call them to repent. Yet the demands of justice and righteousness are ignored. The kings are defeated and the people are exiled. That's the narrative arc of the Old Testament. And it's when hope seems lost that God promises to send a new king. And our lessons this morning unpack this a bit. Isaiah 11, which we heard read, promises an ideal king who will rule with righteousness and with justice. And Matthew 3 depicts the herald who proclaims the coming of this ideal king. So on the second Sunday of Advent, I think we should spend some time reflecting on the coming righteous and just King. And so we'll look first at Isaiah's prophecy and then at John the Baptist's proclamation. So as we heard, Isaiah 11 opens with an interesting image. Isaiah writes, a shoot will come out of the stump of Jesse. Now Jesse, as you know, is the father of King David whose descendants ruled God's people for generations. But a series of unrighteous and unjust kings broke the monarchy and the tree of Jesse was cut down. Isaiah does not ignore this reality. Instead, he says that God will bring new life from the dead stump. Behind me, you can see a painting of this actually a rose growing from the stump of Jesse. And this indicates God's power to bring life out of death and to give hope when all seems lost. And to this end, God promises that the spirit of the Lord will rest upon this new king. And with this spirit of wisdom and counsel, understanding and fear of the Lord, the ideal king will rule as God requires with righteousness and with justice. And as Isaiah explains it, the impact of this king's rule is dramatic. On the one hand, his righteous deeds will make God known in all the world. By ruling with God's spirit, the root of Jesse will teach all people to live rightly. Isaiah says he will make Jerusalem into a glorious dwelling and all nations will inquire of him. They're drawn to God's righteousness. On the other hand, the king establishes justice on the earth. And he does it by breaking the power of oppressors who exploit the weak. That is, this ideal king uses power to destroy the wicked, to protect the poor. And because of this, a new harmony actually comes to characterize all of life. The wolf and the lamb will lie down together. The snake and the infant will be at peace. All is right. In short, this righteous and just king shows that true power actually benefits everyone, especially those who are weak. And this is a strong challenge to any culture that prioritizes winning at all costs. That was the way of the monarchs. And it led to death. The way the ideal king brings life and peace. Given these promises, it's unsurprising that the Israelites would long for this king to come. Yet hundreds of years passed since Isaiah first uttered this prophecy. And no king had arrived. Then John the Baptist comes on the scene. John's location and his attire are really jarring. He's in the wilderness, which is the last place you'd expect a herald to announce the coming king. And he's wearing clothing of camel's hair, just rags, not the fine robes of an imperial. This is not a standard royal proclamation. Yet John is God's choice to prepare the way for God's king. And John's teaching, what he says to the crowds that gather around him, makes clear that righteousness and justice are important to God. He says, repent, for God's kingdom is near. Repentance is a technical term, and it can get confusing as to what it actually means, but it means turning toward God and away from unjust things that we do. Repentance, then, is an act that reorients the person towards righteousness, towards justice. And it follows that the person who repents is in right relationship with God and cares appropriately for the neighbor. And tellingly, John's message of repentance is attractive. It draws people from Jerusalem and all of Judea out to the river Jordan to see him. Great crowds are baptized as a sign of repentance from sin. Isaiah's prophecy that the ideal king will draw all people to God is coming true. Even the Pharisees, the religious experts, and the Sadducees, the religious elite, get in on the action. They head out to the Jordan as well. Yet the Pharisees and the Sadducees have mixed motives. And John sees right through them. They seek baptism to be part of an influential new movement, not because they truly repent. And this is clear as John calls them a brood of vipers. Great phrase, right? Vipers are beautiful on the outside. But on the inside, they're full of poison. Likewise, the Pharisees and the Sadducees value their status as children of Abraham over the righteousness of loving God. And they assume that seeking baptism is more important than their just treatment of others. Yet seeking status and external religious compliance are a kind of self-centered poison. It attacks right relationship with God. So John tells them that you Pharisees and Sadducees will be cut down and thrown into the fire unless you bear the good fruit of repentance, justice, and righteousness. And the climax of John's rebuke is a promise that one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. The more powerful one is Jesus, who will baptize with fire, John says. And not only that, he'll establish a kingdom of righteousness and justice. And that is our advent hope. The coming king will set all things to right. And everything that John does and says is in service of his vocation as a herald to that reality to Jesus, the coming righteous and just king. So in conclusion, these two lessons make clear that God's ideal king is one who rules with righteousness and with justice. Righteousness is right relationship with God expressed in love and worship. Justice is right relationship with the neighbor expressed in loving action. Isaiah says, the ideal king will worship God, care for the poor and the weak, and set the world to rights. And with this ideal king, God will reestablish the house of David. Something will spring from the root of the stump, and all people will know the Lord. John the Baptist is the herald of this coming king. He calls all of us to repent, rather than to rely on our status and our external religious observances. And his manner of life and rebuke of the elite actually show that God's way is very, very surprising. Yet it is life-giving. These lessons are appropriate on the second Sunday of Advent as we wait the coming of our Lord Jesus. Isaiah clarifies the character of Jesus. And John enjoins us to repent and get ready. So in response, our task this week is to follow John's example. Turn to Christ, our Savior and Lord, and turn from the sin that entangles us. And by repenting in this way, we bear the fruit that is worthy of the followers of Jesus, the righteous and just King. So let us pray. Pour out your spirit, O God, so that your people might live with your righteousness and justice as we await the coming of your kingdom when Jesus appears in great power and glory. Amen.